real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Know what really sells your product or service? It's not marketing or ads. It's you, your blog, your social feeds, your podcast. These are all ways we try to share ourselves and our value and build trust with an audience. But what if you could go even further? What if you could connect with potential clients or customers in a way that's even more personal, more engaging, more effective? That's where webinars come in. Hosting a live lesson, product showcase, or Q&A session is the best way to share yourself and prove yourself to an audience. But wait, you're thinking, aren't webinars a giant pain? Yes. Yes, they are, but not with Webinar Ninja. Webinar Ninja has one job, to make webinars easy for you. It's the user-friendliest software ever created for webinars, so you can focus on your audience, not the tech. Here's the best part. You can use Webinar Ninja absolutely free. Just head to webinarninja.com forward slash Sarah, where you can sign up for Webinar Ninja's new free plan. Share yourself, prove yourself, Earn the trust that creates customers and inspires loyalty. Head to WebinarNinja.com forward slash Sarah and sign up today. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today went from 25000 in debt to 12000 in savings and 22 clients in a year. She is now a seven-figure entrepreneur coaching women and building businesses that changes their lives, their family lives, and client lives. She walks women through a step-by-step process of building, growing, and expanding their business to six figures and beyond. Welcome to the show, Monica Shaw. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I think your story will, I know it resonates with me to a certain degree. So I, I think a lot of my listeners will get something out of this. Can you tell us a little bit more about your story and background? Sure. Yes. So I started my business. And before I started my business, I had my MBA from the Kellogg School of Management. And then I went to work at L'Oreal Paris and I was doing marketing and sales for them. And I have to say that when I started my business, I thought, oh my gosh, like I, I thought I was hot. I really thought, oh, this is going to be easy. This is going to be a no brainer. And then I jumped in and within 12 months of being in business, I was $25,000 in debt. And I love to say that it was because I was buying nice clothes and shoes and doing all kinds of fun stuff like that. But it wasn't, you know, it was really just trying to keep my business afloat. And I think that's true for so many entrepreneurs. You end up spending so much money and you don't know how to get that money back. You don't know how to generate revenue consistently. And then the debt just keeps piling up. And it got to the point where I realized I had to do something about it. So I started doing everything I possibly could to pay off that debt. I did focus groups. I sold things on eBay. I had an opinion about everything in terms of the focus groups. I walked dogs. I I sat at cats. And then one of the things that I did a ton of was I rented my apartment out on Airbnb. And it was back in the day when Airbnb was just starting. Actually, Brian Chesky, who runs Airbnb, came to my apartment to take pictures of my apartment because they were doing like a marketing test at the time. And I remember like a couple years ago, I saw him on the cover of Forbes and it was the billionaire list. And I was like, oh, 
maybe I should have spent a little extra time. So I, this particular week back then, I had rented my apartment out for seven days in a row and three days at one person's house, three days at another person's house and a day at somebody else's house. I was sleeping on couches and on floors because in New York, most people don't have extra beds or bedrooms to share with you. And I was exhausted. I got all my stuff together and I got on, I was ready to go home and I got on the subway and then I got off the subway. And for those of you that are familiar with New York, it was the 63rd Street BVFQ stop. And I got off and I started and I got off the subway and I had two bags on one arm, two bags on another arm, a bag across my chest, and then a roller bag that I was carrying. And I started walking up the subway stairs. And, you know, New Yorkers were known as the nicest people on the planet. (laughs) So they're rushing by me and like the bags are falling off of me and the roller bag is falling off the stairs. And I don't know what to do. I'm like so frustrated. And I finally get to the top of the stairs and I had picked this particular subway stop because there was an escalator and an elevator at the stop. And I looked to the left and the escalator was closed. It was broken. And I looked to the right and the elevator was closed off. It was also out of service. And I looked in front of me and there was four more flights of stairs to get to street level. And I had this moment where I just got really tired and I put my bags down on the subway floor and I could feel the tears start to to roll down my face. And I did the unthinkable. I sat down on the subway floor. You know you've hit rock bottom when you sit down on a New York subway floor. It's a wonder that I'm you know, still healthy and okay today, given what happens in a subway. And there I was like spiral sprawled out, like on top of all these bags, totally crying, like the ugly kind of cry. And New Yorkers are walking by me and trying not to look at me and are staring straight at me. And I had this moment where I realized I had to make a change. I had to do something differently because this wasn't working anymore. And it wasn't just not working because of the money piece. It was also not working because I didn't have a shred of the confidence I had back when I was working at L'Oreal. And I think that happens to so many entrepreneurs is you love yourself when you're working for someone else, you know, you can do it, but then you start to sell for yourself. And it's like, you don't even recognize the person in the mirror, the rejection that comes with it, the failure that comes with it. I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I had this moment where I made an agreement to myself that I would give myself a year to figure this business piece out. And if I didn't figure it out, I was going to go back and get a job. Now, I, like many entrepreneurs, did not want to get a job. I'm not very good at being told what to do. My husband (laughs) and my father would probably agree wholeheartedly with that, that statement. And I just, it was like the last thing I wanted to do. But At that point, I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I have to figure out how I'm going to make money. I can't just keep racking up debt. I can't keep lying to my friends and my family and saying everything's okay when it's not. And so I did the best I could. I hired business coaches. I hired marketing experts. I learned as much as I could. And what I realized, and, and unfortunately is still true today, is that there are very few people out there teaching you how to make money consistently and sustainably in your business. There's a lot of people teaching tactics and strategies on how to make money. And what I got clear on is that I was doing everything backwards. 
I was making half as much money as I could have been and working twice as hard as I should have been because I was doing everything in the wrong order. I wasn't focusing on the activities that actually generate money in your business. And because of that, I I was doing what I didn't need to be doing. And I think every single day I see entrepreneurs doing the exact same thing. And what I got clear on is that there, there are really five steps to make money in your business. And when I started to focus on these five steps and really do them systematically in my business, everything shifted. I was able to pay off the $25,000 in debt within 12 months. Within that same year, I put $12,000 in the bank. And every year after that, I was able to either double or triple my revenue. In 2013, we crossed seven figures and we've been a seven figure company ever since, including last year during COVID. And my happiest moments today are the fact that I help other women become seven-figure business owners and a few amazing men. Because what I know to be true is that if we put enough money into the hands of the right women, this world is going to look like a different place. And it's already happening within my circle at Revenue Breakthrough. The thing that got me clear is that you got to focus on the things that actually generate money in your business. And if you don't, You can be working 12, 15 hours a day and you'd still not have enough in your bank account. You could still worry about money. And I meet people every day who are in that position who tell me things like, I've been in business for 10 years. I've been in business for 12 years and I've never made more than $20,000. And not that $20,000 is a bad amount. It's not. But if you're trying to make a full-time income off of a business, that can be really frustrating. It really comes down to focusing on the number one things that bring you money. Wow, that's an incredible story. As you were talking about it, I was getting a visual of it. You're a great storyteller, too. I'm I'm like, they should make a movie about this. You should have a movie written (laughs) about your life. That's awesome. So what year was that, that that all happened? That was around 2005 and 2006. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, it's interesting that you talk about focus on the things that make you money. And I think as entrepreneurs, I know myself, kind of struggle to figure out, well, what, I mean, it's easy to know what directly makes money, I guess. But I, I know for me, I get caught up in social media or this or that or the other thing that isn't directly, maybe not even indirectly making money, like these busy work. Yeah. So how do we determine what things we need to be focusing on or what things make the money? It's interesting because then there's only one activity that makes money in business and that's asking for it. I think that people really complicate the art of business because we add all of these sorts of barricades between doing business and asking for money. And there's really two ways you can ask for money. You can either ask for money one-on-one or you can ask for money one-to-many. And so a one-to-one ask for money is called a sales conversation, right? And a one-to-many request is called an offer, an offer that you can make to an event or to a pod, you know, to a webinar while you're doing a webinar, if you're doing it virtually. So ultimately at the end of the day, it is the number one thing you could be doing in your business to generate money consistently is make sure you're doing at least three sales conversations a week. That's it. And so it's interesting because if the only thing that you need to focus on is doing three sales conversations a week, it completely will shift what you decide to spend time on. For a lot of people, you're trying to do everything. You're trying to make your website perfect. You're trying to create your free gift. You're trying to do your videos. You're trying to do your lives. But what if the goal was 
you just need three sales conversations this week. Who would you reach out to? Who would you follow up with? Who would you try to get in front of? What would be the most straight and direct path to get you in front of three people who want to work with you? It's interesting because when you start to think about it that way, it simplifies business to such a degree. I built my first six-figure business with no list, a very Holly Hobby website, and the knowing that all I needed was sales conversations, right? So I think that's where we need to get clear. What are the activities that generate sales conversations the fastest and how do we do those? For you personally, what have you found, or even for your clients, what have you found generally leads to sales conversations? Ultimately, we have to think about why do people buy from you? A lot of us are kind of mixed up in why people buy from us. We think, oh, if you say all the right things on your website, then they might buy from you. Or if you show how smart you are and you solve all their problems for them, then they might buy from you. But the truth of the matter is nothing has shifted in 50 years and how real business is done. My father owns a company or he owned a company, right? When I was in college, he sold it when I was in college. He owned a company when when I was little. He's 86. So he's of a different generation. And the way that my father did business then was that he would take people out to lunch and get to know them. And in the process of getting to know them, he would, we're Indian, so maybe he'd buy, you know, he'd take them and get them chicken vindaloo. And over that lunch, they'd get to know each other. And in through that relationship, he owned a civil engineering company. He would get his deals on his roads and his bridges that he got to build. A lot of us have overcomplicated business to think that we need to do so much more than that. So I am getting to your question. So the number one way to really have somebody want to purchase from you is to earn their trust and earn their admiration and earn their respect. And the number one and easiest way to do that is share your wisdom, share your wisdom, what I'm doing right now, right? Sharing my wisdom. So when you share your wisdom and you can feel somebody's energy in sharing that wisdom, your conversion rates are a lot easier. Meaning when you have the sales conversations, people are much more likely to buy. And the number one way to do that is through speaking and preferably in-person speaking. So this is why I think so many people come to me and they say, Monica, I don't know why I'm not getting clients. And I say, well, tell me what you're doing. And they say, well, I'm posting on social media and I'm doing LinkedIn and it's just not working. And oh, and I'm doing Instagram and it's not working. And I'm like, because while those vehicles are great, they're not with you long enough to really be invested in your wisdom. And they don't necessarily see or get the value that you could provide, which is why those vehicles, while great for exposure, are not necessarily going to win you clients. I built my very first company from speaking alone, right? At least, so what I recommend for most people is that you speak one or two times a month. Now, for a lot of folks, you are going to have to move through the fear around speaking, right? And the fear around getting out from behind your computer and the fear around visibility and the fear around what do I say? (laughs) But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of reward for moving through those fears. Because if you can get in front of a group of 20 people, either virtually right now or in person over the next couple months, 
and you do a talk, likely is that you'll walk out of that room with six to eight sales conversations and you'll get at least two or three new clients, which is very exciting and very well worth your time and investment. In fact, I would dare say way more worth your time and investment than having an inspirational meme that you do every single day. While that's easy, it's not nearly as effective as winning people's respect. That takes a little bit more work and energy and effort. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before, but that makes sense that speaking would lead to sales conversations. So what are some of the best ways to get speaking engagements? First of all, understand that there's a lead time with it. So for most speaking engagements, it's going to take anywhere. Like if you're looking for an event in in July, you may not book an event until September, October, November, or December, or January, or February of the next year. I think that's the first step is understanding that speaking isn't a get clients in 30 days strategy. It's just not. Because most speakers, most organizers of organizations start to fill their speaking roster well ahead of time, like a year in advance. In fact, right now we are reaching out to a lot of the organizations that I speak in front of for 2022 for filling our roster for January through June of 2022. So that's piece number one is start reaching out now for later. And then, you know, the piece number two is to start to look up, first get clear who's your target market, right? And then where are they hanging out? What are the organizations that they're hanging out? If your target market is professional women, you want to look for professional women's groups. If your target market is entrepreneurial women, you want to look for networking groups and entrepreneurial groups. Now you may have a target market who is not at these groups. Like there's no association or speaking event that they are in front of. For example, there was one woman who was at my revenue breakthrough intensive. Oh, hers was women who were 60 plus who were looking to retire and have enough money for retirement. Those women may or may not have been at a at professional women's events or even like entrepreneurial networking events. So if you've got a target market like that, that's a different strategy. What I still recommend speaking for a target market like that, but you may need to use ads like Facebook ads or Instagram ads or Google ads to drive people to an opt-in page for a webinar or a workshop with you so that they can still experience your wisdom but you're going to need a very targeted campaign to bring them in to see you. So search for relevant events and then contact the organizer? Yeah. Search for relevant events, contact the organizer, introduce yourself, send them an email, let them know what you speak about and the kinds of things that you could speak about and go from there. Now, that's step number one, because that's a cold reach out. That works about 10% of the time. What is better is a warm reach out. So what is better is for you to make a list of the places that you'd like to speak and then start using your network, whether it's going on LinkedIn and seeing if you have connections or posting on Facebook to say, hey, does anyone have connections to this group? And then going through somebody who is either a warm lead or going through somebody who has been a past speaker for the group to make an introduction between you and the group leader. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Earlier, you had mentioned like a five-step process. Is speaking part of that five steps or are you, can you go into those? Yeah, so I can go over the five steps. Speaking is part of them in the sense that it's the, it's the number one revenue generating activity, but there's a lot more to it. So the first step of my system is that you have to shift your relationship with money. So if for most folks, you've got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And the reason you've got one foot on the brake is because there are beliefs that you have around, if I make a ton of money, I will lose love in my life. If I make a ton of money, I'm going to have to create some sort of self-sacrifice. If I make a ton of money, I'm going to lose something. And so those first, we need to look at what those beliefs are and clear them out so that they're not getting in the way of you giving 100% of yourself to your actions and your goals and the things that you want to create in your life. Then step two is to focus on revenue generating activities. These are activities that generate sales conversations. Speaking is just one of them. I actually have nine main revenue generating activities. I talk about all of them in my marketing calendar. So if you want to grab that, you can go to marketingcalendarnow.com marketingcalendarnow.com and you can grab all of the revenue generating activities from there. And then step three is learning how to track your numbers and figuring out which numbers to track so that you can create more and more income for your business. Step four is creating a dynamic plan. Most women also are very afraid of really focusing on their business because they're afraid of not having enough time for themselves or for their friends or for their family. And the number one way to prevent that is planning. So that's a huge part. I say that planning is the highest form of self-care and it is a huge component to building a multiple six and seven figure business is understanding what your daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly plans are so that you're not doing things last minute. You're not doing things alone. You're not trying to fill things at the last moment and you're much more likely to have success that way. And then step number five is rinse and repeat, (laughs) which sounds like a very basic step. But what that step is about is attaining mastery at the things that you're doing. So you're not always jumping from marketing activity to marketing activity or business to business, but really taking the time and the energy to become masterful at what you do. Well, thanks for breaking that down. I think that helps. And I'm definitely going to check out that you said marketingcalendarnow.com. Yeah. There was something that you said in the very beginning when you were talking about your story that kind of I have a question about. So you were in debt and then you said that you had gotten some business coaches and whatnot, which obviously costs money. So my question is, how does one determine if they're in debt or not, but especially if they are, where the right place is to spend the money to hopefully at some point make more money? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that I think it's hard to understand as a business owner, but and that is that But it's easier if you get this. Ultimately, at the end of the day, business is a language. It's like Swahili (laughs) or French. Now, if you were to go to France and just drop in and know nothing about the language at all, never been exposed to it, never even been exposed to languages that often, not even Latin or Romance languages, chances are that you would be really lost and frustrated and it would be exhausting to try to figure it out. That's what a lot of people are doing in business, right? They, they get started and they try to figure it out. Like they're doing free classes and free webinars and going from place to place, trying to collect as much information as possible. And then they're trying to piece it together themselves. 
ultimately what ends up happening in that scenario is a lot of time and energy and frustration. And so when I'm asked, what do I spend first on my business? One of the things that I think is so important is that you spend the money to learn the language of business, right? So that you don't end up wasting a lot of time and energy trying to figure it out on your own. So I know it's hard because if you don't have any money, how do you spend the money is the question. But ultimately, what I recommend for most people is that you get a loan of some sort, right? So when I first started my business, the way I paid for the coaching was that I got credit cards. Credit cards were my loan. I got two cards. Each of them had a $3,500 limit. So that was $7,000 total. And I used those cards to hire a business coach, not a mindset coach, not a personal growth coach, a business strategist to help me build my business and learn the language of business. Now, the thing is, is you got to then put into action what they tell you to do, right? Because you got to pay those cards back, right? Like you have the urgency because you've already done that. That's how I did it. I've had clients borrow money from family to do it. I have a client that borrowed money from a friend to do it. I have clients that get a part-time job. I also got a part-time job when I was in the first couple of years. I actually went back and got a part-time job at Viacom for about nine months in the first three years of my business. I also went back and got a part-time job as an adjunct professor during the first three years of my business because I needed the money to be able to fund the learning that I needed to get as I was building my business. I think that a lot of folks try to skip that step. And I don't know how you can skip it. I don't I, I don't know how I would be where I am today if it weren't for my business mentors showing me every step of the way. Because I don't know how I would have learned it. I, I, I think that I'm, I'm not sure that I would have. I, you know, there's no way I would have been able to just telepathically have gotten it. And it was and I definitely wouldn't have gotten it from somebody's small program or free programs. I always say that I stand on the shoulders of the mighty and of the women that came before me. And I do. And I think that it's important that we get that. Why try to do it by yourself when somebody can make it faster for you? But where I think people go off or wrong is be careful when you are investing in business coaching, that you don't do a bunch of small programs that you're not trying to do like learn Facebook ads as a strategy and a tactic and you buy that program and then you learn videos and you buy that program. Because what I find that to be is very confusing, right? What you want to buy or do is some sort of foundational business program that teaches you all of the basics of how to run a business so that you're not piecemealing it together. And we have the, like at Revenue Breakthrough, that's what I've created. We have a Rise Business Academy that teaches you all of the basics from time management to mind management to planning to building a team so that you it's like a year in business school so that you're not confused and overwhelmed. Because that's what I find is that a lot of business owners have spent a lot of money on this program and that program and trying to put it together by themselves and they just, they can't see the full picture. And so that's really important as well when you're thinking about investing in yourself in order to learn more about your business. Okay. Yeah, all of that makes sense. And I was actually just about to ask you about the revenue breakthrough. So I guess that's primarily what you do is it's like a coaching program, but the foundation. Yeah, it is. So it's a foundational coaching program to teach you all about how to shift your relationship with money how to do your marketing, how to do your sales so that you can really get your first 10 clients 
start building your first $50,000 year, and then ultimately build your $100,000 year and so forth, right? And I think most people want to get those one-on-one clients, but they also want to start and grow a group program or an online course. And we teach you the basics of doing all of that. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to have to, I mean, I've gone to the website, but I need to look, explore it more. So anyone who's interested, that's revenuebreakthrough.com. Where I would suggest everybody start okay. is go to marketingcalendarnow.com. Go ahead and download that. There's an opportunity there to set up a conversation with us if you would like to speak to us about your business. Or you can just email us directly at support at revenuebreakthrough.com and we can set up a conversation with you there. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and I'll also have show notes to all of this, links and everything at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Monica. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And was there anything else that you wanted to go over that we hadn't yet? No matter where you are now, you can build and grow a business. What I love about business is it's the great equalizer, meaning you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be great at school. You don't have to be a good student. You don't have to be good with numbers. You just need to learn how to generate money, the language of money. For those of you that are watching and listening, it's totally learnable. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate you doing this for everybody. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.